Good morning, beloved Orangewood. How's everybody this morning? If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 4, as we're this month looking at missions, uh, this month we're looking at God's call to all of us who are His to go and, and tell the incredible story of the way that God loves us and what God has done for us and rescued us through Jesus. Uh, this morning we're going to find out that the ultimate missionary is Joe Creech. No, no, it's Jesus. Jesus himself uh, as the ultimate missionary who would leave the comforts of heaven uh, home and come for you and for me to come to make sure that we could be found and rescued and given us life and life abundantly. We're going to look at God's word today and it's going to show us what Jesus did. I mean, really as that missionary going and proclaiming this good news, uh, the gospel of the kingdom. What in the world is that? That's what we're going to look at today. Well, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but uh, our newly elected president was in our state uh, this yesterday, uh, uh, kind of on a rally, uh, kind of gathering some folks at a similar place that he was uh, when he was uh, running for office. And I always got to do this. Let me hit pause and say this in no way is a political statement. I'm using this as an illustration to my sermon. All right. But it's interesting because anytime there's a change of power, especially we see that in our country, uh, a pretty severe change of policy and thinking from one to another, it comes with a lot of friction. Any time there's an administration change, uh, a lot of resistance, a lot of friction. There's certainly some excitement as well. Uh, and we see that, that uh, President Trump may be trying to gain some momentum. Uh, for his new presidency, trying to get some roots of this administration uh, takes, takes more uh, control. Well, much more important, much, much more important than the presidency of our country is the establishment of the kingdom of God. It's the rule and reign of Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords in, in heaven and on earth. And that's where we are going to focus and Jesus, when he came, it says uh, that he, when he was uh, in his public ministry, that he went throughout Galilee. Interestingly, there was probably about 200 or so cities and villages within Galilee. And that he went throughout that entire region. He was preaching and he was teaching. He'd go into the synagogues, places of worship for the Jewish community. And, and there and along the, the mountainside and along the, the riverbanks and along the shores of Galilee, he would teach and preach the gospel of the kingdom, the good news that God's rule and reign has come. And there was some friction and there was some tension and there was some confusion of what does this kingdom really mean? It was such confusion that it would lead to his assassination. It would lead some of them to say this, we're, we're better without this one who calls himself king. And we know the story of Christianity is that they assassinated and they, they crucified him on a, on a, a cross, a Roman cross in Jerusalem. Well, most of the times when you, when you kill the leader of an organization, eventually that organization is going to die. But not with Jesus. And not with the kingdom of God. I mean, as, as I prepared this message, the one thing that just kind of I had to stop and, and ponder is if real, to think about how many rules and reigns, how many authorities have come and gone, how many places of, of world domination or, or authority has come and gone since Jesus walked this earth, died on the cross, and was resurrected. You know, the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was to appear, 
talked about him coming. It said that, you know, there would be a virgin who'd give birth. And it talked about Jesus being the wonderful counselor and the prince of peace, the mighty God, the everlasting father. And it said this, and, and of his rule and reign, there shall be no end. No end. That this kingdom that, that Jesus brought, I mean, and it starts so small. I mean, he just walked along Galilee. Uh, just this last week, I flew back and forth to upstate New York, went further than Jesus ever traveled. He just went around one little area proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And this, this little seed that's as small as a mustard seed, this kingdom has grown. Davidson today will talk about a church that's starting in France. And today we gather to worship. And you know, around the world, our brothers and sisters do the same. Because this kingdom has no end. As a matter of fact, according to God's word, this kingdom will ultimately reign and rule heaven and earth. And he calls us to be a part of what he's doing. And this mission's emphasis uh, that we see that Jesus is the ultimate missionary, but he's called each and every one of us to go. And, and because our lives have forever changed, to go and tell that good news to a world that he will forever change with the gospel. So we're going to look at gospel of Matthew, Matthew four, just verses 23 through 25 to get a little glimpse of the ministry of Jesus. And I'll pick up one verse, uh, during the sermon on the Mount in Matthew six, verse 33, let's hear God's holy and errant word. It'll never lead us astray. And let me remind you that God has given us his word because our God communicates to us. He does it through creation, but in a special way, he does it through his word. This word is not just here to entertain us. This word is a living and active word. It's here to transform us because this is God's very word. Hear the word of the Lord. And he, Jesus, went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. Kind of interesting. This is beyond the borders of Israel. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. This kingdom, Jesus would say in six, chapter six, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for loving the broken, the sinful, as much as you do, that you would demonstrate that love by sending the ultimate missionary to come and to rescue the lost. And Jesus, thank you for, for loving your father and loving sinners enough that you would become like us. You would put on flesh to come and, and to walk among us and eventually through your life, death and resurrection, rescue us and save us. And God, we thank you that your word records for us what Jesus was doing in Galilee, that he didn't stay put and ask others to come to him, that he went to them. So God, we ask that you continue to show that missionary spirit and come to each one of us.
that God, you'd send your Holy Spirit into this room, that you would do only that which you could do, that you would speak through a broken sinner like me, that God, you would open up our ears to hear your voice, that God, that you would shine light into our minds to understand your word, that you would soften our hearts to embrace your truth, and that you would empower our feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name. God, the things that I say that are just my opinion are wrong. May those things quickly fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true, that contain this this interesting phrase, the, the gospel of the kingdom, would you use those things to mold us and to shape us and to prepare us to be more like Jesus and to be useful for Jesus? And God, we ask that, that each of us would have the, the wisdom from above, that, that we would seek first your kingdom, that we would seek first your glory, your renown, your face, knowing that as we do all these things of life, all the necessities that we might need will be added unto us. God, we pray that you and you alone receive glory, that we would receive great challenge. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen you want to follow along, I have an outline for you in the bulletin. It's going to see what is this gospel of the kingdom. We're going to see its presence and its power, and we're going to see its priority. Jesus it tells us in this, in this passage that he is the ultimate missionary. Uh, he went. Uh, he went, and he, he went throughout all of Galilee, through all those little villages. And, and as he went, he went teaching and proclaiming, basically teaching and preaching about the gospel of the kingdom. Well, it's, it's not a phrase that's used a lot. I mean, the word gospel is the Greek word euangelion, which means good news. And if you don't know much about the Bible, you don't want to miss this gospel word because this good news is the good news of what God does for us. It's not good news what God requires of us. It's not good news of what we do for him. It's the good news of what God has done for us to to love us, to forgive us, to give us life and life abundantly. Well, he uses this phrase that Jesus went in all the towns and he talked about this gospel, this good news of the kingdom. And maybe those who were there when John the Baptist was baptizing and even baptized Jesus, they heard the words of John the Baptist that would say, repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. You see, God's people had long, they waited for a Messiah to come. They, they waited for, for relief from oppression from Rome. I mean, they waited for God's rule and reign to come from heaven to earth. And the gospel of the kingdom is, is the proclamation that Jesus is saying is, hey, it's arrived. The kingdom of God is here. And I'm its king. Here, here is this, this humble, meek, a carpenter's son, Jesus, who says, the kingdom of God is here. And may the kingdom of God uh, establish itself here on, on earth as it is in heaven. Man, does it start humbly. <laughs> I mean, talk about a, a humble beginning. Uh, you have Jesus himself. Uh, he's got to go from town to town. Um, he's going to have to go start in such humble and meek fashion. And yet it grows. Rejoice. You're here today because that kingdom grows. Rejoice no matter who you are. You're, you're here today because the kingdom of God is still here. 
And that's what he was announcing, that there's this presence. When, when God's son appeared, the presence of the kingdom is here and now. Hit pause. And, and let me just let you know that there's a conflict going on in your life inside and outside all around. Because the conflict is between a kingdom of God who is here and the kingdom of this world that is fighting against it. But the kingdom of God is not fully here. It's not fully here yet until he comes back. And the good news of the gospel is that, that in this kingdom, the gospel, he will bring salvation to all. To all of who? All of his own. That he will bring healing to all. That that, that salvation has come, that, that healing has arrived. When Jesus came and he proclaimed this gospel of the kingdom, what he was saying is this. is says the fulfillment of scripture is taking place. And Scripture offers some incredible promises, does it not? Let me take you to Psalm 105. I'm sorry, 103. Psalm 103 says this, one of my favorites. It's the Psalm of David. It says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now hear, hear this. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. When Jesus came and he announced the gospel of the kingdom, he said, hey, Psalm 103 is being fulfilled. Blessed the name of the Lord. The one who can come and to can forgive all your iniquities. The one who could come that could heal all your diseases has come. The presence of the kingdom. You know, it's interesting when Jesus does these miracles, a couple things are taking place. One is he's showing the power of God that he's got the authority to do these things. But another thing that's taking place is he's saying with the kingdom was arrival, the curse that came with sin is starting to be undone. The brokenness of the world has started to be mended. Jesus is now making all things new. And all these miracles, all these things that you hear of the healings that he was doing, he's saying life wasn't supposed to be like this. And one day life will never be like this. It'll be life and life abundantly in Christ Jesus. And let me show you the power and the authority to reverse that curse and to begin to make all things new. The gospel and the kingdom and its power. Let's look at the presence is here. Let's look at the power. First of all, it's the power to save all who believe. It's the power to save all who are his. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And it's the power to heal all as well. Let's talk about the power to save all who believe. It really, this, this is the year, uh, 500 years ago this year, uh, in 1517 is when the Reformation started. And it was Martin Luther in Germany who uh, so wanted to be pleasing to God that he stopped studying becoming a lawyer. It's probably a smart thing. Just kidding. And says, I want to become a monk. I I, I don't want God to be angry with me anymore. So I'm going to do everything I can to be righteous. I'm going to do everything I can to be holy. I'm going to do everything I can to be good. And the more he tried to be good, the more he realized he couldn't. And the more he failed, the more he felt like God was just really angry. And he, he, he's just like, oh, what do I do? And he, he opened up God's word and he had the access to God's word. He read Romans 1.16 that says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
For in this gospel, this good news, it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And this power of God is from faith to faith. The, the, the salvation that comes, not what we do. The good news is everything that what Jesus has done. And now the power to save, the power to make new. The power of the gospel is this, according to the Bible. It takes those of us, all of us, who were dead in our trespasses and sins and makes us alive in Christ Jesus. We go from death to life in Christ because of the power of the gospel. We go from those who were far off, far off from God, and we were brought near to God because of the good news of the gospel. The power of the gospel is to take those enslaved in sin and to make them sons and daughters of the true and living God. The power of the gospel allows us to be joint heirs with Christ Jesus. This is the power of God that takes you and me and changes our identity and gives us a new nature so that we are his loved children, forgiven and free. That's the power of the gospel. That's what he came to proclaim. But it's not just the power of the gospel to, to, to save us. It's also to heal us. The gospel of the kingdom, it says that they brought to Jesus and they started listening all the people that they brought to Jesus. And it says that he healed all. And the word all here is very important for us to understand. He healed every type of disease. We know that there were people that Jesus didn't heal when he was on earth. We know that there were still people that were racked with disease and people who died. But when it says he healed all, it says there was not one incurable disease that Jesus couldn't speak or touch and instantly heal. He healed them physically. It talks about palsy. Those who were broken physically, he healed. It says he healed those mentally. It talks about lunacy. Those who were lunatics, their mind was broken. He healed. It talks about he healed those spiritually, those, those that had demons and demonic activity. In their life. He healed them all. There was nothing that he couldn't heal. And the beautiful thing about this is there was no health care. And it was all done pro bono. I mean, that's our savior. He didn't ask what kind of money do you have. He didn't ask what you're going to give me in return. He saw their sickness and their brokenness and knew that that was not how it was supposed to be. And he healed them all. See, the power of the kingdom has arrived. The curse of sin is being reversed. All things are being made new. And yet it's not fully here. In March 2006, my sister had her first cancer surgery. She... Uh, First was diagnosed with cancer. They, they thought it was ovarian cancer. It turned out to be a rare uterine cancer um, that they term ESS, an incurable type of cancer. And she went in for her surgery up in Shands in 2006. It was an interesting prayer that she and her husband and the rest of the family asked to pray for. They said, let's pray for God's maximum glory. Let's pray that God would bring himself the most glory through this battle. I mean, what, what a cool prayer to pray, right? I mean, just to say, God, whatever happens, bring yourself maximum glory. That was 2006. Since then, she's had two additional surgeries. The last one, a little over a year ago, was a 12-hour surgery. 
She still takes medication daily trying to keep that cancer at bay. Additionally, on top of that, she starts experiencing severe facial pain. And she's diagnosed with something I never heard of before called trigeminal neuralgia. And if you know anything about it, if you Google trigeminal neuralgia, it will come up as the suicide disease. Because the pain is so great, even in talking or anything else in life, that it's often ended in people taking their own life to stop the pain. Now they realize that the trigeminal nerve was being compromised by a tumor in her brain. Not connected to her other cancer, but she had very successful brain surgery removing the tumor that was pushing against the trigeminal nerve. But the pain didn't go away. So eventually they tried another procedure called the gamma knife. The gamma knife where they pump in radiation onto the nerve to try to kill it and deaden it to tie it, take away the pain, but it didn't work. And the pain still is there. She now takes heavy medication for the pain. She talks about how it makes her in a fog and how it affects everything she does and has to live with the tension of killing the pain or living in a fog and not feeling like who she really is. I know that God can heal my sister. I know that in many ways God has healed my sister. And I know that there's a day coming that God will heal my sister. But it's not always immediate. And I think back to maximum glory. And I don't understand maximum glory of the journey that we've been through. But we walk by faith. In 2009, my wife Katie was diagnosed with cancer out of nowhere. I saw a miraculous surgery, going in for one surgery and believing that this was best just to see at the very, very last moment God intervene and miraculously bring complete healing to Katie. God sometimes heals immediately. God sometimes heals miraculously. But sometimes God heals on the other side of glory. I've stood beside you. We've, we've buried some of your loved ones. We've wept tears. We've pleaded with God. We've pleaded with God for elders in our church that were young that had cancer. We've pleaded with God for, for young dads. We've pleaded with God for, for young people, for old. We've pleaded with God. Knowing that Jesus and the gospel of the kingdom could heal all disease. And yet sometimes he chooses to heal them on the other side of glory. The gospel of the kingdom is here. And the gospel of the kingdom is here with power to save and heal all now. But it's not fully healed here. And we have to ask the question, well, why? Why does it sometimes seem that Jesus will heal all and sometimes it seems like he doesn't? And let me tell you, I don't know. His ways aren't my ways. His thoughts aren't my thoughts. 
I've tried to manipulate them. Believe me, I've tried to put them in a headlock and try to get them to do what I want to do, but he just won't let me, nor will he let you. But here's what I could tell you. I know for sure that, that because there's two things that are really wrong thinking when it comes to praying for our loved ones, knowing, and again, I knew I was preaching this sermon and I knew the fact that we would say Jesus healed all their diseases. And I knew that there were many people here would squirm and say, yeah, but what about me? What about my addictions? What about my parents? What about my kids? What about my stuff? How come he's not healing me now? Well, I know two things. I know it's not because of your lack of faith. Oftentimes we say, well, it's the reason that Jesus isn't acting is because you don't have enough faith. If you only believe more, if you only prayed better, if you only, if you only did more good works, God would be bound to you to answer your prayers. That is as far away from the gospel as you could ever get. Because the gospel isn't what we do for God. It's what he's done for us. And the the faith he gives us is even a gift from him. So many people live their lives. I've seen it. It's agonizing. They're they're praying. And and some of the most agonizing prayers I've ever, ever, ever witnessed is that people will come and say, well, I know that I have the faith that my my dad will be healed. I know it. God's given me this faith. He's going to be healed. I know it. And then you do the funeral. And they think, oh, I thought I had the faith. Gosh, I guess I didn't have enough. It's not because of a lack of faith on your part. And it's not because of a lack of power on God's part. I mean, that's just the truth. I mean, he has, he's conquered death. There's no disease he can't speak and change. There's no addiction that he can't cure you of right this nanosecond. I pray he does. And I yet, I don't know why sometimes for maximum glory, he does what he does. I don't know, but I know there's hope. And the hope is the reality is this, is in the cross of Christ. You see, the cross of Christ is the fulfillment of all of God's promises to forgive all our iniquities and to heal all our diseases. If there isn't a cross, we really should live very skeptically, not believing that this is really true. But the cross of Christ, Jesus, it says in Isaiah 53, he bore our infirmities, our griefs, our sickness on the cross. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. It says by his wounds, we are healed. Present, future, past tense, we are healed. We are healed in Christ Jesus. Through his chastisement on the cross, we have peace. You know, when we come and we pray, we don't wish on a star, we hope in a cross. We hope in a cross in an empty grave, in a reality that he has the power to save your sin. Listen, he hung there for your sin. There's nothing so dark in your life that he can't forgive. Nothing, nothing. It's such good news. It's such good news that you and I can never be disqualified from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Such good news. That's the power to save sinners like us. And he has the power because he's overcome even death itself to heal all your diseases. And some he's going to do on this side of glory. And some he's going to do miraculously. And some he's going to do with modern medicine. And some he will not do until you see him face to face. 
You may say, well, why? And I'll say, I don't know. But for maximum glory, God is God. God does what God does. But we know God is good. And we know God loves us and is is for us. So when we see this this kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom, we, we see its presence. It's here now. We see its power. It's begun now. But let's talk about it. It's our priority. Our priority. It should be the number one thing in our lives that we seek. I'm so grateful for nearly 30 years of marriage. I mean, I know I look way too young to be married three year, 30 years. But anybody who's married for three hours or 30 years knows that it's not easy for two broken people to become one. And there's so many things that you could focus on to make a marriage better. And I've, I've tried to probably focus on most of them. But I decided that there's really one thing that I should try to focus on. Just one thing. Let's simplify it. Have you ever gotten that way? You just say, can I just simplify my life? And the one thing is, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's, that's going to be it for me. When it comes to marriage, that's going to be it. That's going to be the filter I put everything through. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I'm telling you what, it made me give up saying, well, I got to be understood and I got to be heard and, and it's got to be more about me. And it just all of a sudden changed. And I realized if I really love Katie as Christ loved the church, it does change everything. It changes the way I spend my money because I got to love her the way I spend my money. It changes the way I interact with other people because I got to love hers in my interaction with other people. It changes everything. It's that one filter. And as Christians, he's saying it's one filter. One filter to run your whole life through. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom. That's your filter. That should be your one filter for life. Seek first the kingdom. And what's that? It's like we find our identity in him. In him alone. He is your identity. Seek first the reality of who you are in Christ. Your identity. Seek first his priority. His purpose. Let me give you three thoughts as we close. Seek first the kingdom of God in your prayers. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray right here in Matthew, Matthew 6, 9 and 10, he says, when you pray, make sure you pray to the Father, Abba, Father, holy is his name, but pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember, the kingdom is here. He says, pray for it to come more fully. Pray that it comes in its fullness. It is here now. It has the power to save now, but pray more that it would come in its fullness And pray your prayer, let thy will be done. Think of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. What did he pray? Let thy will be done. Pray like crazy. God, heal me. God, heal my marriage. God, rescue my kids. God, help me out of this financial hole. God, help. But let your kingdom come. And let your will be done. Seek first the kingdom in our pursuits in, in Matthew six thirty three, Our life is now a life about advancing Christ's kingdom. It's not about advancing our own kingdom. It's about his name, not our name. It's about his life, not our life. The filter we're to live through is seek first the kingdom, the glory, the fame, the renown of Jesus. And all these things shall be added unto you. Hey, I get it. I, I struggle with that. I, I know I could preach it. It's hard to live it. I know it's true, but man, that truth is hard sometimes in the shoe leather, right? But seek first the kingdom in your pursuits, in your prayers, and in your possessions. 
In the gospel of Matthew, Matthew 13, Jesus will say the kingdom of God, it's, it's like a pearl of great price. It's, it's incredible. The kingdom of God is so great that you want to sell everything you have to make sure you get into this. That there's nothing worth holding on to that keeps you away. That everything is pale in comparison. And the greatest possession we could ever have is Jesus himself. Sell everything you have. Deny yourself. And come to the king of kings. Orangewood used to have a motto. What's a motto? Nothing. What's a motto with you? Every member of minister, every member of missionary. Anybody here old enough, been around long enough to remember that one? It's a pretty darn good one. I don't know how we lost it. It's true. If you're, if you're a child of the king, you are a royal priesthood. You're to be a minister to, to those around you. Missions festival isn't for something out there. It's something in here. You are a minister if you're a child of king. You are a missionary. And God may not call you like he called Katie and Davidson to France, but he's calling you to himself and he's calling you to go. He's calling you to walk into work tomorrow as a missionary to Jesus Christ. He's calling you to live your life in your neighborhood as a missionary for Jesus Christ. He's calling you in your schools to be a missionary for Jesus Christ. He's calling you to be a light. He's calling you to be a witness. He's calling each and every one of you. It's not just for some, it's for all. Wherever God has you, he's got you there by design. He's got you there for his glory. The gospel of the kingdom, live in submission to Christ as your king. Live on mission for Christ as your king. I love those two phrases. I use them a lot. If he has a kingdom and he is the king, live in submission to him. Live on mission for him. That's what it means to seek first the kingdom of God. And may the kingdom of God be advanced in your life and our church and our world for maximum glory. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming and thank you for going. Going into all the cities around Galilee, all the little towns and hamlets, all the little places that broken people called home. And you called them to more. You healed their diseases. You forgave their sins. And you gave them life and life abundantly. Something you haven't stopped doing for sinners and broken people like us. God, teach us afresh what is the presence and the power of the kingdom. And may that be our priority both today and forevermore. Amen.